welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. I'm excited that I get to share with you today. And uh, what happened is that we had our ladies that came together for our She Squad uh, meeting that we did this last Tuesday. Pastor Keith was so excited. I came home and told him how so many ladies showed up. The room was packed. We had a great time. And he said, well, tell me a little bit about how it all went and what you talked about. And he goes, that is the word for this weekend. You, would you be willing to share the message? And I was like, uh, well, I like being really like on the front row. I like that place and I just, I didn't say it. I said it here, right? And that's more important than anything what we say up here. But I spoke it out and said, yes, I'm willing to do it. And I say that to you, not to come across as insecure, but all of us have areas of our life that at first we say, I'm not sure, I don't know, you know, I just want to be comfortable. And a lot of times God is trying to push us out of our comfortable zone, right? And we've got to get out and we've got to do something different than maybe what we really feel comfortable with for God to really use us. And that's what he wants to do. Well, I've got this big, long scripture for you in the Old Testament. And I know all of you are not every day just saying, I cannot wait to absorb the Old Testament and just take this in of what God is saying to me because like Pastor Keith read last week, he had all these names and many times we read through it and we're like, what does this mean? And he helped unpack that for us as he took the word and we talked about honor and how these people were honorable and really applied it to our life. And that's what I wanna do for you today. It's a scripture in 1 Kings chapter five and it can sound like you're like, what is this all about? Well, guess what? I'm gonna unpack it for you. So I just want you to hear it because I know many times we don't just necessarily read the word. We skim through even some of these stories that we hear and we say, how does this apply to my life? So on the screen, we're gonna go through this together and they're gonna put that up right now. It says, what I'm gonna be talking to you about is for with God, all things are possible. That's what they put there on the screen. So we're gonna go with the scripture, you guys. Did y'all put that up there this morning as I looked down and didn't see? Okay, I'm just gonna read it. Here we go. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master could see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. 
The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? What does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will come here as a prophet in Israel? So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely say, come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are you are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood there before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. So I wanna talk to you today about how the possible, the impossible becomes possible. The title of my message is dip into the possible. Can you say that? Dip into the possible, because that is what we're gonna do today by the end of this message. See, I wanna give you a pathway to help you to know what do I do and how can I live this life of possible. Possible can even mean transformation. How can I be transformed? How can my situation be transformed? Because you know what? We see every week, we see prayer requests that come in. People need transformation in their lives. They need impossible situations to be made possible. There's a leadershipology that says, when you transform on the inside, you make the impossible possible on the outside. So it's important for us to transform on the inside to make those impossibilities possible. When you come in, some of you get here early enough that you see Pastor Jeremy today. He took these prayer requests. We do this every week. Took these prayer requests and we pretty much summarize what is in the prayer requests, the needs that you guys have. Those of you watching online, those of you that attend in this house. Look how many prayer requests. And there's so many more that some of you don't even ever send in. But these are for the ones that have sent them in. I mean, desperate needs, healing in their body. They're sick, they have COVID. They have loved ones that have COVID. They're in desperate situations. Children that have cancer. Great, great needs that come forth with just people not not being well. And then we've also got restoration of just broken relationships. There's adultery. 
There's abuse that happens. I mean, so many desperate situations. People are without jobs right now. People's finances are down. You see, when you look at the world, we can say, we need transformation in this world. God, we need you to do the possible. That what seems impossible with man, God, we know is possible with you. And that is even our scripture that is for, uh, for this year, Luke 137, for with God, nothing will be impossible. That is what we're speaking. That is what we're believing. You see, things in our life that seem impossible, they are possible with God. It's like even Pastor Clay spoke. I'm not gonna step back. I'm not gonna be afraid to speak out. We've lost three sons this last couple of years. But you know what? It is possible. My wife will get pregnant. We, Pastor Keith and I will have more grandchildren. I told Whitney when I was standing down there when, when uh, who was it? Somebody said it. Was it Arthur? Said, Speak out, speak your poss impossible situation. It's possible, right? And so I said, in the first service, I said, Whitney will get pregnant. She will carry babies to full term. And I said, Whitney, I'm saying it again in the second service. You've got to speak out in faith what you want to see happen and believe for it to happen. You see, when we are in our most desperate times. You come in here, you're in your most desperate times. You're like, Pastor Keith, would you just bring a word for my situation? Because I'm looking for help. I'm looking for answers. You come into this place, you need to find answers. So there's sometimes you come in, you're not in desperate situations and don't we love those times? But many times we have those situations where we're, we're desperate. We come to church looking for answers. Have you ever felt desperate for God to do something in your life? Have you ever said, this is impossible? We have all been there before. And let me tell you the good news. Desperation often precedes transformation. Desperate, when you get in desperate, a desperate place, that's when you can see the possible happen in your life because you say, God, I'm desperate. I can't do this in my own strength. I have no ability to be able to heal myself. I've been to doctors. This has seemed impossible. They don't know what to do, but God with you, all things are possible. You see, desperation reveals the powerlessness in our lives. When people two weeks ago when you guys, if you were here, you came forward and you put your impossibility in the casket. You were believing for God. God, I'm believing for what just seems impossible with me is possible with you. Do you know how desperate people were? They were online saying, put mine in. But would you please go bring mine down to the casket? We said, absolutely, we will do that. People were at home and they put, they wrote on their own piece of paper. We heard this. They wrote on their own piece of paper and they obviously didn't have a casket in their home, but they had a fire that was going and they took their impossibility and they threw it in the fire. I had a college roommate that is a 
pastor's wife. And she said, I need you. Would you just please put my impossibility in your church's casket? But this is what happens. When we get serious, then you know what? We'll do whatever it takes because we get desperate for God to do something in our life. And so when you get serious enough, you're gonna make something happen. Even if that means bringing your impossibility and putting it in a casket. When my children were young, I remember times they would say, I'm so hungry. Now they had just eaten 30 minutes before, but we always knew this. So what did we do? We took their food, we would set it on the counter. We never forced them to eat all of their food, but we said, you know what, eat to your full. But if you get hungry, just know this plate will be waiting on you. So when they were hungry, particular times they would say that, I would say, well, your food is sitting on the counter. There's your broccoli, there's your carrots. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not that hungry. Well, they weren't that desperate, right? Because if they were really desperate, the broccoli would taste good. The carrots would taste good, but they just weren't that desperate. What they wanted was their longings to be met on their own terms and in their own way. But you know what? We're the exact same way. We want the possible to happen in a way that we can control it. We want to determine why and how it happens, don't we? I I want to be in control of that. I wish I could just pray for some of you and then instantly people were healed. I believe when I pray for people, I stand in faith and believe for women that would get pregnant. There's so many dire situations where people just, I want a baby. You know, I need God to heal me. You know, my loved one is dying. Whatever the desperation, we just want to just say, If we just prayed, can God, can you just come through? Can you just do it? We all want that. And we want to take control of how it happens. When it doesn't happen the way that we want it to happen, many times we're so disappointed. But we have to truly always say from our heart, God, we know that you work all things together for good, even when we can't see it. You see, when we come to to church every Sunday, we're desperate for a word. We're desperate for healing. We're desperate for restoration. Maybe a job, a relationship to be restored. Maybe you're dealing with addictions. You're desperate for God to heal you or family members of addictions. Desperate just to be happy again. Desperate to not just struggle. You feel like you're just struggling. Well, the question is, how far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to join a freedom class? Are you willing to join a marriage class? You're struggling in your marriage. How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to get vulnerable? To open yourself up? Are you willing to spend time with God and hear his voice? To really get to know God intimately? Because This will require something of you. But so many times we want to control what our possibilities look like. We see how serious people are about transformation by how they follow through on their moments of desperation. We can't just point out the problem, the impossible. We must become a part of the solution, the possible. You see, if we're all going to dip 
into the possible, my first point is follow through in moments of desperation. See, the text that I read to you, we see this man and he needs to be healed of leprosy. Now, if you've read the Bible, you understand that leprosy is a disease that was not curable. They did not have any kind of cortisone cream or you couldn't go down to the nearest CVS pharmacy to get some type of treatment. This leprosy would last for like 30 years. Fingers would fall off, limbs would fall off on the span of time that they had this leprosy and they were outcasts. They could not be around people. This man in this story that I told you about, this man was desperate, but he wants to be healed on his own terms, like we do many times. Like I told you, I want you to relate your own personal life to this story. He wants to control the means for it to happen. He wants to control what possible looks like. You see, Naaman is a man who has got it together. He wears this armor, he is strong, he has authority, he is a commander in the army, he's got lots of Facebook friends, he's got Instagram followers. I mean, this is a man who is loved. He, he is seen as somebody that is powerful. He is strong but he has leprosy. What does he have? Impossible. It's impossible. His leprosy is impossible. So he is broken. So an important part of this story is that he has this beautiful armor. So no one sees his leprosy. You can't see it underneath because his armor is on because he's a commander in the army. How many times are we the exact same way? Under our nice clothes, you can see me up here, you could see me dressed and got my hair fixed today, got my curls going today, got my jewelry on, but on the inside, I have leprosy. I have stuff that I struggle with. I have hurts that I deal with in life, just like you do. I'm not void of things happening in my life, just like things happen in your life, impossible situations that none of us know when they might happen. Well, as we go back through the text, we see in this story, there's only three people that know about this commander, Naaman's leprosy. That's his wife, that's the servant's wife, the, the wife of the servant, and then also the king. You see, his wife's servant, you, you heard me read in the story, is so brokenhearted. She comes from Israel, she comes from Samaria, and she says, if you could just get to this man, Elisha, I believe you will be healed. But what needs to happen is he has to follow through in his moment of desperation. And so we see in the story, as he follows through, he says to the king, because he could not just travel there, right? He lives in a different country. So he, asked, he says to his king, would you write a letter to the king of Samaria? Would you ask him if I could come to Samaria so that I can be healed? So this is where the story picks up. It says, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left 
taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. As soon as the king read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why, why are you picking on me? Why are you starting a quarrel with me? He totally has misread the letter. This wasn't for him to heal him. It was for Elisha, him to be sent to the prophet of Elisha. But is this true in our own life? How many times have we, whether you don't, we don't typically anymore write letters to each other, not that much. We're putting letters in the mail, but we're sending texts, we're writing emails. And how many times have they been misunderstood because maybe by you or by them where the letter wasn't fully read through. So there was a misunderstanding. We can all do this. The king has misread the letter and has this happened to you ever before? Because we can all come to all kinds of conclusions in our text. Well, this is what happens here. The king tears his robes. He's just, you know, upset. Like, how can this man think I can heal him? Well, Elisha hears about it. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just send him to the house. Just send him over. Not for you. It's for, this is for me. So we see here, the irony here is that he, he uh, the commander Nahum, he comes, Naaman, he comes with his chariots and horses. He is so powerful. Just like I told you, he's strong and he's powerful, but nobody knows what's underneath. And he comes with authority with his horses and chariots and all of his servants that are behind him. Can you imagine this Elisha's house? Think about a long time ago. What do houses look like? They that maybe a prophet would live in, may have a thatched roof, you know, just, you know, not much of anything, but this mighty commander is coming with his horses and his chariots. And he has all the things that money can buy. But what he doesn't have control of is his impossibility. He's coming to him with authority. We can do the same thing. Like I said, we can look good. We can look like we have it all together, but all of us have impossibilities in our life. So Naaman is ready to see the prophet. He's traveled really far. The door opens and he's so ready to see Elisha come through the door. But what does it say in the word of God? It says the messenger came to the door. Well, I can imagine Elisha's like, who do you think I am? I mean, I am a commander in the army. I am coming with authority. Do you know who I am? And you don't even have the nerve to send Elisha. You, you just sent a messenger my way. I mean, I, I, I don't appreciate that. I mean, I'm a man of authority. And so he is trying to control how he gets healed. He wants it to be done a certain way. But what does the messenger do? He doesn't invite him in for something to drink, have a cup of coffee, sit on my couch, come on in. I know you've traveled a long way. No, he, all he says, he stands at the door, opens the door and he says, I want you to go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Naaman is outraged. You don't welcome me in, you send an assistant. So this is what Naaman does. Verse 11, 
But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord and wave his hand over this spot right here and he would cure me of my leprosy. Do we do the same thing? We want it done the way we want it done. We want control of how God does the possible in our life. Like, I, I, God, I want you to just do it like this. Like, just have somebody pray for me or just have Pastor Keith speak it and it just happens. Well, this is what we must understand in the verse. If we want to see the possible happen this year, if we want to dip into the possible, not only must we follow through in moments of desperation, but we must lay down our need to control and our sense of entitlement. We see this in Naaman's life. He ha if he was gonna be healed, he had to lay down his sense of what he, what he wanted to control because he wanted to control it. He wanted it done a certain way. So, because he's used to being in control. He's used to running the show. He's used to calling the shots. And now someone else is telling him what to do. Have you ever been in control so much that you say, who do you think you are telling me what to do? Come on, husbands. Have you ever done that? Come on, wives. Come on, business owners. Are we too good that we can't get instruction for other, from other people? You know what, open yourselves up to say, you know what, anybody can tell me anything. I am willing to give up my right to be right. Do you know in between the service, my children, they said, you know, I don't think you ought to read that whole scripture. That's a lot for you to read. And I think that you tell it enough in the story. I'm like, okay, I, I really appreciate that. You know, I'm, but then Pastor Clay goes, I love how you read that whole scripture. And so I was like, okay, I felt like I wanted to read it because I felt like we don't read enough or know a lot of times what the word says. I wanted you to hear exactly what it said. And then I wanted to break it down for you. And so then I asked Pastor Keith, he says, how many scriptures are there? I said, there's 15. He's like, oh, no big deal. Yeah, I'll read the scriptures. Because to Pastor Keith, we're going till one o'clock. <laughs> so... But all I'm saying is, let's be open. Let's receive what others say. Let's don't feel like we're so entitled that we can't listen to somebody else that maybe is a little lower than us. Or I'm not gonna attend that Bible study because I really know more of the word than they know. They're like, you know, they don't know scripture as much as I know scripture, you know, or I'm not gonna go to that freedom group because, you know, I don't wanna listen to them. I know more than what they know. We've got to be willing to lay down our need to control. You see, the possible can only happen when we lay down our need to control it in the way we think our miracle could, could happen, the way we think our healing should come. Remember, when we transform on the inside, we make the impossible possible on the outside. And isn't that what it's all about? It's not about just what we can see. It's about what is happening on the inside so that it can happen on the outside. You see, Naaman is being tested in this very moment at the door when the servant opens the door and tells him to go dip seven times. And you know what it takes? It takes humility to receive from a messenger when you think that you've kind of got it all together 
and you carry authority, it takes humility to release control of it being my way. I'm willing to release things beyond my understanding, beyond my experience. Humility is even yielding yourself to something you might not totally understand. It's when you come to the end of yourself that you realize you can't do it in your own strength. Yet, look at Naaman. He can't do it in his own strength. He can heal himself from leprosy. So, he, but he's not there yet. What does he say? He's upset. He said, go to the Jordan River. Do you understand? The Jordan River is dirty. It's one of the dirtiest rivers. I don't want to go to the Jordan River. I want to go to one of those other rivers that he had mentioned in scripture, Par Par, and whatever the other one was. He says, I want to go to those rivers. Those are cleaner rivers. Look at him. He's trying to control his healing. He's desperate, but he's still trying to control it. I want to ask you, how desperate are you? Are you willing to humble yourself and do what you don't want to do? Only you know what that means. So if you're gonna dip into the possible, you need to follow through in moments of desperation. Number two, you need to lay down your need to control and release a sense of entitlement. And number three, it will require you to do what you don't want to do. You've heard this before, it's a leadershipology. When you summon the courage to do what others won't, you will have in life what others don't. Amen? Naaman wants a quick solution. Can you just come out? Can you just wave your hand? Can I get into some nicer waters? The answer is no. Seven times in the Jordan. You see, aren't we all like that? I, I can relate in my own life because you know, oftentimes we don't wanna do things that God wants us to do. I came out right from the beginning and told you, naturally, I wouldn't want to just stand up here because I don't, I feel like it gets me out of my comfort zone. And you know, they say, what is it? The number one uh, thing that people fear the most is public speaking. So more than death. And so many of you probably can relate to that. I've worked a lot of years of working on myself, but I still have to continue to say yes. But we see all throughout scripture, we look at the book of Acts, almost no one is doing what they're supposed to do. Almost every time God gives instruction, they say, I'm not gonna do that. There was a man named Ananias and Ananias, God comes to him and he says, there's a man, he's the apostle Paul, he is blind, I visited him and now he's blind because of the visitation that we had and I want you to go to him and I want you to heal him. It's like, wait, what? This is the man that kills Christians. He was Saul and now he's Paul. And so he heals Christians and you want me to go and you want me to lay my hands on him and you want me to heal him? No, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, and then Peter, Peter, I need you to go to Cornelius' house because the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. So he has meat. He probably eats pork chops because he's a Gentile and we don't eat unclean food. We have clean food. So no, I'm not gonna do that. We hear of Jonah. Jonah doesn't say, no, I'm not gonna do that. He says, I'm going the other way. 
All of us, can we relate to these stories? We're just like this. But transformation, what is possible in 2021, will require us many times to do what we don't want to do. What is it that you don't want to do? Where do you not want to go? What are you saying no to that you need to say yes to? What conversations do you not want to have? There are some conversations right now, whether it's with a friend, whether it's with a spouse, where you push back. You don't wanna go there because you don't wanna stir things up. But if there's going to be transformation, if there's gonna be what is possible in this next year, maybe it's a closer relationship with a friend or with a spouse or whatever the dynamic is, what is it that you need to say yes to? What do you need to open yourself up to? Because many of you did that just a couple of weeks ago. You got very vulnerable. Some of you, it was a really act to get out of your seat and to come down here and to put your impossibility in this casket. It took effort for you to get up. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So many times we have to do what we naturally maybe just don't wanna do. What would maybe some of those be? Do I have to tell someone that I'm hurting? Yes, you need to open yourself up because you need to speak it out. You need to say, this is what it is and I need to be healed from this. Do you need to go to a freedom group? Only you can answer that. Do you need to get involved in a Bible study? Do you need to go to counseling? You may say, do I have to go to counseling? Yes, it's great. It's good for all of us to have some type of counseling, especially if you have a struggle in your life or something that you're working through. Do I have to read my Bible? Absolutely, you need to read your Bible. Do I have to pray? To see transformation in our lives, it will require you to be vulnerable. Not to tell everyone, but to tell someone. Just wave your hand over me, Jesus, in my bedroom. Just do that and just make this go away or make this happen. But God is not just after your healing. He's after your transformation. He's after you getting healed so you can help the others do the same. That's what we see in freedom. We see people that have gone through our freedom classes and you know what they do? They become leaders because they have been healed. They wanna help others get healed. But Naaman will say yes to something that you don't want to do. Will Naaman do it? Will he, do, will he say yes? Will his servants say, will you just get wet? See, we all have friends that are in our life, a community that says, why are you walking away? Why don't you stay? We have that kind of community because we have a family of choice. Don't run, don't run from your relationships. Press in when times get tough. We need each other. There's no shame in going through whatever tough times that you go through. But this is when transformation will come into your life. Naaman decides, to get into the dirty water because his servants say, why won't you just get wet? Somebody comes along and says, come on, I'm cheering for you. you. We want you to be healed. We want you to be whole, but there's something that the prophet is telling you that you must do. So what does he do? He decides to get in and he says, okay, I have to dip in seven times. So he dips. He dips the first time, he goes under and he comes back up. He looks at his skin, absolutely nothing. He says, okay, 
seven times. He goes down again, comes back up. Nothing happens. I said, okay, I'm gonna go down a third time. He goes down, comes back up. Now he's just like, I'm embarrassed. Look, nothing's happening to me. This is stupid. I keep going down in this dirty water. Look at me. Look how I look. Look at my clothes. They're dirty. But okay, I'll do it again. He goes down the fourth time, comes back up. Nothing happens. Goes down the fifth time. I can imagine the servants are saying, come on, God, you can do it. Heal him. Have you ever done that with your friends? When you're praying for them, come on, God, I'm cheering for you. You can do it. And then you're telling your friend, come on, keep staying faithful. Keep staying plugged in. Come on, we're just gonna keep believing God. We're gonna keep believing for the impossible to be possible in your life. So he goes down again for the sixth time. Nothing happens. He goes down the seventh time. And when he comes back up, he looks at his skin and absolutely as smooth as a baby's bottom. He is totally healed. The simple act of obedience, just dipping down and coming up. Dipping down and coming up. Being obedient, believing for the possible. Believe for transformation in your life. You know, I wanna encourage you, follow through in moments of desperation. Lay down your need to control and your sense of entitlement. Do what you don't wanna do. And it's often the simple acts, this is my fourth point, regularly repeated acts that transform us. It's what make the impossible possible. It's the little dip in. Some of you say, you know what, some of, you're just, it's, it's just not happening. I'm coming to church. I'm hearing a message. Pastor Keith, you know, I've come to church and it's like, you know, it was good. And I kind of applied some things in my life, but you know, I just, I, I'm not there yet. Come back, dip in again. Just keep coming, keep dipping. You know, you say you pray and nothing happens. No, 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 no. Just keep praying, keep dipping. You dip in again, because you know what? God is trying to form you. He's trying to shape you. He's trying to bring transformation in your life. And you say, I read my Bible. I dipped, I read my Bible, but I got distracted. I don't even know what I just read. It's like a bunch of blah, 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 blah. I started thinking about all the things I needed to do. And I know that Pastor Keith says, get up in the morning or sometime in the day and read your Bible and read Proverbs, read at least a Proverbs a day. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand what all this means. Keep doing it. Just keep dipping. Keep reading your Bible. Don't get distracted. Just when you get distracted, just keep pressing in. We've, what if we did this day in and day out where we just kept dipping, just kept dipping into whatever that is. Dip into the freedom group. Dip into the marriage class. Dip into the small group. Dip into spending time with God. Dip into intimacy, growing your intimacy with God. And before long, look at your life. You're just like Naaman. You start to go, who am I? What has happened to me? God has transformed me. I am a new person. I remember back then, a year ago, two years ago. I mean, 
I'm not the same person. I came to Mighty Men. I got up on Saturday morning and I was faithful to come. And all of a sudden I got with my brothers and all of a sudden I began to build relationship with them. And I began to get intimate. I began to open myself up to them and to reveal some of the struggles I had in my life. I went to She Squad and I know now there's a path for us to go on. And I'm gonna dip in and I'm gonna become a part of that path. I'm gonna get connected with other ladies that are going and growing through the same seasons I'm in, or maybe I can help the ones along that not are, haven't been in my season, but they're coming into my season, and I can show them what God can do in their life, and I'm, I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay, just continue to stay faithful. It's the simple, repeated acts that transform us. It makes me think of the definition of insanity. What is the defini definition of insanity? You've heard it. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Now I want you to think about spiritual formation in your life. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Because when your life is spiritually just you grow and you mature, what happens? It's because you kept dipping. You kept growing. You kept staying plugged in, doing the same thing over and over, and you're expecting different results. And guess what? That does happen. When you dip in and you dip out, you're setting yourself up for what seemed impossible now becomes possible. So stick with it. Don't give up, don't give in. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good. Not doing bad, but don't grow weary in doing good. Because in due season, you will reap. What? If you faint not. If you don't grow weary in that, keep doing good. Keep doing the right thing. You know, this, this story doesn't have Jesus in it, but it really does because Years later, many years later, do you know what? Jesus spent a lot of time in the Jordan. He dipped into the Jordan. He was baptized in the Jordan. I think about other things that Jesus did. He dipped because he gave his life. Do you know that he said to our heavenly father, to God, he said, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't wanna take the stripes on my back. I don't want the crown. If, if you could allow this to be passed from me, please allow this because I'm gonna be going through a lot. But you know what Jesus did for you and for me? He dipped in. He didn't dip out, he stayed in. And he said, I'm gonna do it for every one of you. I love you because I love you, I'm going to dip. God is saying that to you. Stay in the game. He gave the example to all of us. And aren't we grateful that he did? That he gave his life for you and for me so that we can live a life of what is possible. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.